you are listening to the Passion City Church DC podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, DC, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Hi, I'm John Maxwell. I'm excited to be with you at Passion City Church. So Louie and Shelley, thank you very much for having me. I'm excited about how God has used you not only in Atlanta, but around the world in your ministry and to be able to be one of the seven voices on your series is a real honor, so thanks for having me. As I think of 2020, I am now kind of calling it the wilderness year. And you can obviously know why that would be because this is a very difficult time of COVID-19, racial division, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of questions. We're all out of our comfort zone. And when you think of the wilderness, uh, you think of a place perhaps that you're not familiar with it and there's a tendency for you to get lost. There's a tendency for you to go in circles, not make much progress. And I wanna talk to you about this time that we're going through, but I want to encourage you in the message to watch and follow Jesus as he models for us or shows us how to handle our wilderness experience. Now, in a moment, we're going to go to Luke chapter 4, where Jesus had a wilderness experience. But before we do that, if you go over into Hebrews chapter 11, that's the great faith chapter. Men and women of faith who did awesome things for God. Many of them were amazing in their victories. Many of them, of course, were martyrs for their faith. But when we get to chapter 12, all of a sudden, we, we find two things very interesting. The men and women of faith in chapter 11 of Hebrews are now in the stands and they're basically cheering us on as we run the race. So they're watching us run the race because this race that we're in has no finish line, it's eternal. And so they were part of the race, now they are watching, cheering us on and we're part of the race. So they're watching us, uh, encouraging us And I want you to know that, that in your faith journey, you have those great people encouraging, cheering you on. But we're also encouraged as we get into Hebrews chapter 12 to watch Jesus, to model after him how he ran the race. So let's go into Hebrews chapter 12 for a moment. I'm reading out of the message. Do you see what all this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it, strip down, start running, and never quit. No spiritual fat, no parasite sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race that we're in. Study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God And because he never lost sight of the race that he was in, he could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever, COVID-19, adversity, difficulty. Remember, everything worthwhile is uphill. And now he's there in this place of honor, right alongside of God. And when you find yourself flagging in your faith, Go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that Jesus plowed through, and that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. As the crowd of saints are watching us run this race, we're encouraged to watch Jesus, 
because he succeeded in this race. And one of the things I want us to observe from our Lord today is how he handled his wilderness experience. And there are three things that I, I want to share with you quickly. Uh, as we go into the wilderness experience, I, I want you to know three things about going into that. The first thing is that you will be tested. I'll come back to that. The second thing is the testing is good for you. It's good for me. So we'll be tested, but that testing is good for us. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. That's where he was just baptized, a, a spiritual high in his life. And he was led by the Spirit. He was led by God into the wild. And for 40 wilderness days and nights, he was tested by the devil. You see... One of the values of testing is it shows us the validity of our faith. A, 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 a faith that has never been tested cannot be trusted. But a faith that has been tested and has passed the test can always be trusted. When I was 51 at our, literally, company's Christmas party, I had a heart attack. And for a couple of hours, it was kind of touch and go whether I would even live. And I always wondered as a, a Christian if, if when I came, came time for me to die, if I would have what, you know, Christians call dying grace or, or peace at that time. And I always wondered, I, I wonder if that'll happen to me. And, and during those couple of hours that were kind of uh, just really come and go on me. I, in fact, I told the doctor, I said, am I, I asked him one time, am I dying? He said, well, you aren't yet, but you will die if I, we can't stop this heart attack. I had such incredible peace. I had a, a calmness, a sereneness about us, myself. I, I laid there and, and I, I was absolutely finding out the truth about dying grace and dying peace. In fact, today, when I think of death, I look at it, I think I've already been there. I, I know, I know that I have the grace, I know I have the peace to die. Now, why am I so confident in my faith? Because it has been tested. It, and it, it passed the test. Well, Jesus was tested in, in three areas. When he went into the wilderness, he was, he was tested in his hum humanity. Luke chapter 2 through 4. He ate nothing during those days, those 40 days. And when the time was up, he was hungry. And so the devil, playing on his hunger, gave him the first test. Since your God's son, command the stone to turn into a loaf of bread. Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy, it takes more than bread to really live. And one of the testings that we have during COVID-19 is in the weak areas of our life. The, our, our tendencies are our areas perhaps to sin. And, and, and Jesus went through that and, and pretty much Jesus shows us how to pass that test and that is that he was just basically saying, I live bigger than my hurts. I, I live bigger than my, my weaknesses. He, he was tested in his loyalty in verses five through eight. And this was the second test. And he put the whole earth on display for Jesus. And he said, all of that you see before you, it's all yours in their splendor to serve your pleasure. He said, I'm in charge of them and all of them and, and, and can turn them over to whomever I wish. wish. If you'll worship me, they're yours, the whole works. And Jesus refused again, 
backing his refusal with Deuteronomy, worship the Lord your God and only the Lord your God, serve him with absolute single-heartedness. In other words, the loyalty of Jesus was being tested. Uh, Psalm 27, 1 says, The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid of? During this difficult time in your life, you don't run from your problem. You run to your source. And you can see in the wilderness experience of Jesus, he constantly kept running to his source. His loyalty was uh, tested. Who, who are you going to serve? His his humanity was tested. He was weak. He was hungry. Would you like to turn these, these, these rocks into bread? And thirdly, his identity was tested. The third test, the devil literally took him up to Jerusalem, put him on top of the temple and said, if, now notice that phrase, if you are God's son, jump. It's written, isn't it, that he has placed you in the care of angels to protect you. They will catch you. You won't so much as stub your toe or on a stone. Yes, said Jesus, it's also written, don't dare tempt the Lord your God. His identity was tested. You see, Jesus knew who he was, but he also knew whose he was. You see, at his baptism, there are only two times that God ever vocally told others about his relationship with his son, baptism and the Mount of Transfiguration. And at, at his baptism, as he was being baptized, the voice of God said three things. This is my son, chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. Now, Jesus that day heard what every child should hear from their parents. This is my son. In other words, Jesus said, I belong. Chosen and marked with my love. I am loved. Delight of my life. I am special. Jesus just heard those words of identity. I'm loved. I'm special. I belong. And then he was put into the wilderness. You and I will have our identity as people of faith tested during difficult times. It's okay, because this testing is to find out if our faith can be trusted. The last part of this going into the wilderness that I want you to know is that the testings will not stop. Luke 4, 13 says, that completed the testing. Whew. The devil retracted temporarily lying in wait for another opportunity. Scott Peck, in his book, The Road Less Traveled, has a very interesting introductory paragraph to that book. Here's what he said. Life is difficult. This is a great truth, one of the greatest truths. It is a great truth because once we truly see this truth, we transcend it. Once we truly know that life is difficult, once we truly understand and accept it, then life is no longer difficult. Because once it is accepted, the fact that life is difficult no longer matters. This is huge. Again, I'm going to repeat, don't run from the testings, run to the source. I just want you to know 
that life is difficult. And when people say, when's COVID-19 going to be over? I'm not sure. You're not sure. But when it's over, there'll be another challenge. There'll be another test. I share with people all the time that everything worthwhile, it's all uphill. Everything. There's no such thing as a worthwhile life that coast. Every dream you have, every desire that you have in your heart, your, your, your hope to, to, to be a, a, a good parent, your hope to, to be a good child, your, your, your hope to be a, a, a faithful follower of Christ, it's, it's all uphill. It's all uphill. And, and what I want us to understand is that testing never finishes. We, we are constantly in the process of being tried and tested. And it's okay because it makes us stronger. It gives our faith validity. Wow. You see, I think the wilderness place is a place where leaders learn to lead. I think it's a place where leaders are made. You see, the right response to a difficult experience makes us better. In fact, here's the way it works. It makes us bigger on the inside than the outside. It makes us better on the inside than the outside. So going into the wilderness experience, it's a fact. You'll be tested, the testing is good for you, and the testing won't stop. Now, let's come out of the wilderness experience. Let's again watch Jesus. As he comes out of the wilderness experience, what can we learn by observing? Here's number one. When you come out of the wilderness experience, if you have passed the test, you will then experience a new level of living. You will climb higher when you come out of the wilderness experience. You will get better when you come out of the wilderness experience. You will become bigger on the inside when you come out of the wilderness experience. When we talk about seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, yes, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, happy day. But let me tell you something. There's a new level that you'll live on at the end of, the at the end of this dark time. We're now in verses 14 and 15 of Luke chapter 4. Look at these words. Jesus returned to Galilee powerful in the spirit. Wow. News that he was back spread through the countryside and he taught in their meeting places to everyone's acclaim, to everyone's pleasure. You see, Jesus' faith, his faithfulness had been tested. He had passed the test. Now, here's what I want you to understand about this new level of living that you're going to be on when you come through the wilderness experience. Faith doesn't make life easier. Faith just makes life and makes you stronger. That's what I want you to catch. Faith doesn't remove your problems. Faith makes you stronger to deal with your problems. Faith doesn't take away adversity and difficulty. Faith just gives you muscle, spiritual muscle, to go through that difficulty. I've been doing an amazing amount of teaching during COVID-19 to companies, to congregations, just trying to help them uh, kind of understand this wilderness experience like I'm doing today. 
And one of the things that I want to share with you, I think that's just absolutely huge, I don't want you to miss, is this. Everything you want, but you don't have right now, okay? Everything you want, but you don't have, is outside of your comfort zone. In fact, that's the reason you don't have it. If what you wanted was in your comfort zone, you would be comfortable enough, secure enough to go get it. But why don't we have things that we want? Why don't we have things that we need? Because it's outside of our comfort zone. So what did COVID-19 do? What does the wilderness experience do? It takes us out of our comfort zone. And this is a beautiful thing because the moment that we are outside of our comfort zone, we might as well now go get the things that we've wanted or that we've needed that we've never ventured out before. We've been kicked out of the comfort zone nest. And so wherever you are right now, Take advantage of your uncomfortableness. Take for it. In fact, COVID-19 is a detour. And I hate detours. I'm, I'm the kind of person I like to know the straightest route. I like to get to it as quickly. I'm kind of like a, let me get right down to business. I'm a no-nonsense. I want to get to where I want to go. I don't like detours. Well, a crisis like COVID-19 is a detour. Now, here's what I'm saying to you. Don't despise the detour. You're going places you've never gone. You're seeing things you've never seen. You're experiencing things you've never experienced. In fact, take the detour tour and take your time on it and embrace it and learn from it and be teachable in it. Because I promise you, the detour tour has some blessings for you that you would have never had if you had kept going down the same path. You see... It takes us out of automatic. And once that we come out of automatic, we begin to learn and grow and be vibrant. This is so beautiful. You begin to experience a whole new level of living. Secondly, after you come out to the wilderness, you become confident in your purpose. In verses 16 through 20, we see that Jesus was exactly that way after his time of testing. Jesus came to Nazareth where he had been reared and as he always did on the Sabbath, he went to the meeting place and when he stood up to read, he was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Unrolling the scroll, he found a place where it was written, God's spirit is on me. He's chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor, set me to announce pardon to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to get the burden and the battered, to set the burden and the battered free, to announce this is God's year to act. Coming out of this wilderness experience, Jesus had a sense of mission, a sense of purpose that began to be more clear and more strong than ever before. And that's exactly what happens to you and me when we come through adversity. I mean, if you're still alive, it's because God isn't finished with you yet. He still has a plan that has not been fulfilled. And what I want you to know is you're going to come out not only walking on a higher level because you make the right choices during COVID-19, you're going to come out with a higher resolve and clarity of purpose of why you're here. In fact, while you're in the wilderness, let God impress upon you your purpose, your reason for being. And coming out of the wilderness experience, you not only experience what I call a new level of living, your faith is so much stronger, 
You not only are confident in your purpose and your mission in life, but thirdly, you possess a moral authority. We see this in the life of Jesus. Again, our example in verses 21 and 22. When our Lord finished reading Isaiah, he rolled up the scroll, he handed it back to the assistant, and he sat down, and notice this phrase, every eye in the place was on him intent. Then he started in. You've just heard scripture make history. It came true just now in this place. All who were there watching and listening were surprised at how well he spoke. But they also said, isn't, isn't this Joseph's son, the one we've known since he was a youngster? Isn't, isn't this the carpenter's kid? Isn't this, wasn't that little Jesus that just spoke up there? Ah, we, we never imagined him to speak with such authority. We never imagined him to speak with such conviction and clarity. Well, you see, Jesus has just gone through his wilderness experience. He's, he knows who he is. He's got his identity. He, he's just been successful. He's just, he's just had a spiritual victory over the evil one. You see, moral authority is so much higher than position and title. I, I, when I teach leaders, I talk about what I call moral authority in leadership. It's, 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 it, 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 it's based upon who you are. It's based up, upon what you have overcome. I, I teach that respect is earned on difficult ground. What, once you go through the testing, the first person you respect is yourself because you know what you overcame. You understand very quickly the adversity and, and how, the, how that you not only overcame, but how that you now feel stronger because you've, you've had to flex those spiritual muscles within your life. Again, there's a moral authority that's given to you that just kind of, uh, it takes you to a new level of respect and influence with others, which is beautiful because what we're to be is in our life is to be salt and what we're to be in our life is to be light. Okay, I have, um, over the years, I, I have a practice I'm going to share with you. In fact, I would encourage you to maybe engage that in your life. Every month for 40 years, I have what I call a learning lunch. Uh, very simple. I find somebody bigger, faster, better, smarter, more successful than me, and that's not hard to do. And I just ask them if I could take them to lunch for an hour and a half. And, and you know, I've, I've had hundreds of these. And uh, it's a learning lunch. I, I don't even have lunch. I, I do the learning. They have the lunch. I, I buy their meal. Because the reason I want to spend an hour and a half with them is I want to ask them questions. In fact, I have seven questions specifically that I want to ask. Because I want to sit at their feet and I want to learn from them. And I have, I'm, I have a, what I would call a, a very teachable spirit. And I just say, okay, um, I, I want to get better. And I think I'm going to get better with you. Uh, Mark Cole, our CEO of the Maxwell Enterprise, our companies, basically uh, loves, and loves to teach on the power of proximity. The, the, the fact that when you get close to somebody, when you get close to greatness, when you get close to bigger people, what's beautiful about bigger people is they really make you feel bigger than, than you've ever felt before. Just like, to be honest with you, smaller people reduce you, bigger people enlarge you. 
And so while we're having the learning lunch, they're eating, I'm asking the seven questions. Now, one of the questions I ask, as I looked at them, I, I say, what is the greatest lesson that you've ever learned in your life? And I've had hundreds of answers to that question. But there's one thing over the years, regardless of the person, the background, the profession, there's one thing that that answer always has in common. It has hundreds of times. When I ask them, what's the greatest lesson you ever learned? They always, not sometimes, not most times, they always go to a difficult time in their life. They always go to a time when, when they failed greatly, a, a time when, when adversity almost overcame them. They, 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 they go to the darkest hour of their life, and out of that darkness, they find a principle, a truth, a practice that has absolutely, positively changed their life. Now, this is huge. Because I can promise you, if you and I could go out five years and look back at 2020, we're going to find that this was a, a time not only of wilderness, but it was a great time of creativity. It was a great time of advancement. Because every opportunity is disguised by a difficulty. That's why so many times we don't seize the opportunity because all we see is the adversity. But inside of that is the opportunity. It's, it's where creativity is. In fact, what I'm saying to people all the time when they kind of give up hope, I say, there's always an answer. In fact, to be honest with you, there's usually more than one answer. And during these dark times, the time that you're going through right now, it, it's the time that presses our soul. It, it, it's the time where we want to, you know, deliver me. When's it going to be over? When can I get out of it? But let me just say, stay there. Stay on the operating table. Let God finish the surgery. Hold steady, because I, I know. I know in your life and I know in my life there are great lessons to be learned during this time. We don't curse the darkness. We bless the darkness. We embrace the darkness. Again, we don't run from our problem, but we do run to our source. And when I ask, what's the greatest lesson that you've ever learned in your life? I promise you, they'll open up and begin to share with me something they learned in a very difficult time. Perhaps it was with their children and how they became a better parent out of it. Wow. In fact, I was in a conversation in one of my companies. I have what I call an executive call where every month I, 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 I put on the call with some other people that are in this club. Uh, a, a high-level executive, many of them you would know if I called them by name, and, uh, and they give us 20 minutes of their, uh, what, what they're doing right now as a leader, and then I, um, I pull some leadership principles out of what, what they're doing, and then I ask them leadership questions, and then we open up the line so that the executives can ask. I was, I was talking to the CEO of the second largest tech company in the world, and, and uh, pretty marvelous and amazing leader, but he was very open and very candid about some of his greatest failures and, and greatest um, mistakes, his, 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 his decisions that didn't turn out well. So when I had my time to ask him the questions, I, I, I called him a name and I, I asked him, would, would you like to go back at, at, at some of your darkest hours and some of your biggest failures and some of your greatest losses? 
Would you, would you like to go back and have another shot at it? In other words, would you like to have a do-over? You, you know what a do-over is. You'd like to go back and do it over. His answer was so surprising. He said, well, first of all, John, I've had a lot of failure. I've had a lot of disappointments. I've had a lot of losses. But I wouldn't change any of them. I said, you're kidding me. No, no. He said, I'm not kidding you at all. He said, I, I, if you're asking me, do I want to do a do-over? No, I, I, I want to leave them as they are. And I said, talk to us about this. And he said, well, it's obvious. Again, I've had a lot of dark times, a lot of adversity, a lot of failures. But he said it was in those very difficult hours. It was in that wilderness experience that I learned my life's greatest lessons. He said, that's where my character was developed. In fact, it was out of that conversation that I began to teach a principle on being bigger on the inside than you are on the outside, being better on the inside than you are on the outside. And as I shared that, as he shared that with me, he basically said, I wouldn't do any of them over because they have made me the person I am today. And if I could go back and do them over, I would have lost the lesson. If I'd have lost the lesson, I wouldn't have what I have on the inside. I, would, I wouldn't be the person of character and strength that I am today. So he said, no. He said, I've had hurts, a lot of questions, a lot of losses, a lot of wilderness. But I'll take it just like it was. Because it's made me a better person. That's what I'm believing for you at Passion City. I'm believing that this is going to make you a better person, that you're going to truly be better on the inside than the outside. That you're, and by the way, when you're better on the inside than you're on the outside, when you're bigger on the inside than you're on the outside, it's only a matter of time till the outside gets big. But it comes from always the inside. The character of our lives is what makes our lives great and life-changing to ourselves and to others. Now, as I wrap up my time about Watching Jesus in the wilderness years, there, there's just one other thing I want to focus in on Jesus and watching him also, because he had other wilderness experiences. On the cross, a wilderness experience. Sin separated him from his heavenly Father until he would utter aloud, my God, my God, why have you forsaken traumatic. So when you think of do-overs, you and I have all kind of mistakes and messes in our life that we perhaps say, I'd sure like to have another shot at that. I got it. I got it. But when it comes to sin, when it comes from what alienates us from our Creator, our Heavenly Father, we can't go back and, and do those over. We can't go back and fix them. I mean, even if we could do a do-over with our sins, we can't do a do-over with our sin. In fact, the only reason Jesus went to the cross was because we couldn't fix ourselves. We needed God to fix us through his death and resurrection. So we don't get a do-over in the area of our sins because Jesus has already taken care of that. And now all we need to do is trust Him as our Savior and ask Him to come into our life. So what's absolutely beautiful is when you and I look at our sinful mess-ups in our life, all we have to do is trust Him. In fact, Jesus said, I stand at your heart's door and I knock. If you open your heart's door, I'll come in. 
That's what He wants to do. He wants to do that for you now. So you don't have to be in the wilderness of a sinful life anymore. You can be brought out into the light. And you can have the incredible joy and fruit of the Spirit in your life. And the life that you really have always wanted to live, but you can't do it on your own. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now. For many of you, you're saying, wow, I've tried to go back and do some of that stuff over and it doesn't work. No, 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 no. It's already been done. Jesus died for your sins. The price has already been paid. Now you just have to receive him into your life. So pray with me, would you please? Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for paying the price. I know I can't go back and change my sinful life. Only you can do that. But what's beautiful is you want to do that. So right now, in your heart, pray with me, my friend. I ask you to come to my life. Forgive me my sins. I want you as a friend, but I need you as a savior. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church DC podcast.